Well, I want to welcome everyone watching online this morning. I want to welcome also those who are watching from our county jail. Well, thank you for joining with us. We're so glad. Can we give those who are watching from the county jail? We love you. They're watching from the county jail online. Bless you. So glad you joined us this morning. I don't know if you heard about the guy that uh, came into uh, the coffee shop and uh, placed his order, and the young waitress, she was new at the job, said, what would you like to order, sir? And he said, I'd like to have three flat tires and a pair of headlights (laughs) and a cup of coffee. She's like, okay. And she was new to the job, didn't understand everything. So she went back and asked the cook, says, look, you know, I don't know, but this guy out here thinks for some reason we're, you know, run, running some kind of an auto parts store. And he goes, what are you talking about? She said, he, he, he thinks, you know, that uh, we, we can give him like three flat tires and a pair of headlights. And he goes, oh, no, sweetheart. That, he simply wants three pancakes and two eggs sunny side up. She goes, oh. Okay, well then that explains things. So she went back and she gave the man, the customer, a bowl of beans and said, you might want a little gas for your little car on your way out. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Uh. So we're in a series, and the series is called Boot Up. And we've just really been enjoying this series because what we don't understand many times is that the moment we become a Christian or we receive Christ into our heart, then we've, in a sense, entered a whole nother battlefield, a, a spiritual war zone, if you would. We've entered a spiritual conflict that many of us didn't even know existed. Jesus let us know it existed in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, there is an enemy, he's come to steal, to kill and destroy, but there's also now me, which a uh, Messiah, a Savior, and I've come to give life, and even life more abundantly. He made it very clear that we're in a war. And the interesting thing is, though, sometimes we don't even recognize that. It's amazing, even living life, that we seldom think of a predator or predators until we come across one. This is not even on our minds. It's not even on our, in our thought patterns. We, we don't even think about that. We, we think the world is just, you know, fine and good. I, I read an article this past year, you know, when there was this lot of talk about, you know, defunding the police and things like that. And this one particular wealthy celebrity in Los Angeles living in a gated community was writing and declaring how we need to defund the police and take their monies away. It says, I read the article a little further. Um, he calls the police one night as uh, these bunch of thugs and, and, um, and, and robbers stormed over the uh, wall and through the gate of his little gated compound housing community. And he calls the police and says, hey, can you come quickly? They're coming into my house. Now, if I'd have been the police chief, or the dispatcher, and I wasn't saved, I probably would have said something like, um, oh really, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, we'll get to you as soon as we can, two or three days maybe. I, I suggest you get a gun. I suggest maybe, you know, you wall up your doors. I, I suggest, you know, you, you pray perhaps. I, but as soon as we get gas for our squad cars, we'll be out there to help you. How I many know we don't ever think about a predator or, a, or are things coming against us until things come against us? I don't even think about snakes until I see a snake. And after I see a snake, everything around me seems like it's moving. How I many know what I'm talking about? The point is that we give little, th- little thought about spiritual entities, don't we? 
We, we seldom sit around, you know, the coffee shop and talk about, oh, you know, I had a run-in with a spiritual power this past week or a principality that came against me. I, we, we don't talk like that. We don't even think like that. And yet it's very, very real. Very real. We, we, and, and, and when the thief breaks into our house, then suddenly we realize that there's things that are going on. When, when the spiritual attack begins to happen in your life, uh, you, sometimes you just kind of reason it away, but sometimes it is a natural thing. I'm not trying to blame the devil for everything. There's a lot of things the devil's never done, but we blame the devil for. But there's a lot of things that he has done that he needs to be blamed for. Like when, you know, when, when you're kind of, for no other reason, you suddenly find yourself having anxiety attacks. Maybe it's not this fact that you've got some, some kind of, a chemical imbalance, maybe, maybe there is a spiritual entity going on behind this. I'm just talking. When when suddenly you're depressed and you don't even know where and why this cloud of depression has come over your life and now you don't even want to leave the house and you don't even want to crawl out of bed and you just want to, you just would wish life would just end. Where in the world did this come from? You were a happy-go-lucky person two or three years ago. What has happened? Could it be? I'm just asking the question. Could it be that there is a spiritual entity involved in this little situation? So I'm trying to get us to understand that the church and being a part of the body of Christ and being a Christian is more than just maybe attending a nice little service from time to time and, and singing a nice little song. That, that when you really engage and you understand that you are a, a, a powerful tool in the hand of God and he has commissioned you to take ground for the kingdom of God, when you really understand that you begin to move out in that, suddenly you come against things that you didn't even know existed. Can I get an amen this morning? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell him he's preaching good already. Just go ahead and say that. <laughs> you wonder, how come things keep breaking down? The dryer broke down. The washing then broke down. Then I had a flat tire. Then the transmission went out. It seems like as, as fast as I make money, the money's going out the window. What's going on? Everything's falling apart. I can't, I can't get ahead. What's happening? Could it be? I'm just asking the question. That you've come against the thief who's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. Could it be? That sometimes when you come down with some strange illness that the doctor says, I don't even have a clue what this, I've never seen this before. Could it be that something like even that, a sickness of some malady that came out of nowhere could even become and have a root from a spiritual place? People living in constant fear of, of other people or fa financial ruin or people living in fear of, of a relational hurt, of being hurt again. All this stuff can create a, a, a root, if you would, for the enemy to grab a hold of and to begin to attack your life. It's called spiritual warfare. This is a real, this is what we call it in the church world. You are experiencing spiritual warfare. Now here's the good news. The good news is we have an answer to that. And there's nothing that comes against us that we cannot overcome. In fact, Jesus said, I took the enemy and I stomped his head into the ground with my with the sole of my foot, with the heel of my foot. And, and so let's read this, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, real quickly this morning. Finally be strong in the Lord, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can do what? Take your stand 
against what? The devil's schemes. Because there's a strategy against you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against heavenly realm, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, the day of evil comes, the day that you're attacked, that's the day of evil, the day when you experience this, this spiritual onslaught in your life, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand. <laughs> stand firm then with the belt of truth. Here's, here's what we stand with, the belt of truth buckled around our waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up, everybody say take up. The shield of faith. In other words, you don't get the shield of faith unless you pick it up. You gotta pick it up, you gotta take it up. (laughs) And which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows or spears or spears um, or arrows uh, is another term of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And these are, my friends, the tools or the armor in which God has equipped you with. A form of review, real quickly. Week one, we talked about the belt of truth, the epicenter of your center of gravity, the very center part of where you get your balance. It's called truth. It's, what is truth? Truth is nothing more than God's opinion or what God says about a matter. Whatever God says about a matter is truth. And that's it. So help me God. You know, that's the truth. It's all whatever God says. In week two, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And this breastplate protects all of our organs, but specifically our heart. That the heart is the kill shot of the enemy. If he can get our heart, then he gets everything because it doesn't matter if you have blood still left in your body. If you can kill, if you can, if you can end the heart's capacity to pump, it doesn't matter if you have blood or not. And then we talked about this righteousness, this, this breastplate of righteousness, is that righteousness isn't my behavior, Righteousness is my identity. This is what righteousness is. Yes, righteousness means I begin to do right things, but it's, I'm doing right things doesn't make me righteous. I'm righteous because Jesus made me righteous. Jesus, he, he, he took on righteousness and by the cross and then he gave it to me. And so now I have an identity of righteousness. Even though I make mistakes, can I say I'm still righteous if I ask the Lord for forgiveness and humble myself before I'm, I'm still walking in righteousness. We were at a conference, like I mentioned, with uh, Pastor Kim and Carol. And I had a wonderful time up there at the uh, WE conference in Nashville. And, and uh, Bishop Dan Bonner was there uh, from Atlanta. He's a pastor of a, a, a nice, um, very significant church there in Atlanta. And he, made, he, he, he mentioned this passage of Scripture. I, I'm, I said, I, I got to share. This is too good not to share. So I, 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 and it fits right along with his breastplate of righteousness. I, and I know we haven't even got to our subject, but let me just, just say this. So, so when they look at this in, in the book of Mark chapter 8, verse 22, when they arrived at Bethsaida, I'll just, 
I'll just kind of skip to it. Uh, they arrived at Bethsaida, and this is one of those towns that Jesus had cursed already because he could do no miracles because there was no belief, there was no faith. And so he, there's a man, he's blind. And so Jesus takes the blind man out of the city because sometimes you gotta, you gotta remove yourself from the faithless crowd and put yourself in the faithful crowd in order to see God do something. Sometimes you wonder, how come God doesn't do anything in my life? Well, it might be simply because you hang around a bunch of people who have no faith. And every time you try to rise up and believe God for something, they go, oh, that's silly, that's stupid, that's dumb, that's, that's it. Quit wasting God's time, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And so you just kind of shrink back into this, settle in for this unbelief. And so he pulls them out of the city and then he does this crazy thing, which is like, kind of blows my mind. He, he, he spits in his eyes. And I'm like, you know, if you came up to me and said, Pastor, you know, I'm, I, I, got, I think I got cataracts, I don't know what's going on, I, could you just pray for me? And I said, oh, absolutely, hold on. <laughs> You'd be like, you okay? Oh, no, no, hold on, just stay right there, I'm getting ready to spit in your eye. You'd be like, whoa, 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 this is a cult. What is this? This is a crazy place. You would, I wouldn't even get a chance to pray for you. You'd be out the door. And I don't blame you. But Jesus, he spits in his eyes. Can you imagine? Excuse me, did you just spit in my eyes? Yes. Open them up. What do you see? I, I see people, they look like trees, but I see people, I see things. Oh, hold on again, let me pray again. And he prays for him a second time, and open your eyes, he says, this is, this is amazing, I, yes, I see, oh my goodness, I see. It was an incredible miracle. And so, the Bishop Bonner was sharing a story, and, and he, and it occurred to me, and I remember my wife, several years back, how many, how many have done the Ancestry.com type of thing? You know, you know you, you're not even raising your hand, but you know, you've done it. And, and, and so my, my wife and, and all that, of course, she, she's, you know, said for years, her mother has said for years that they came from Indian family, you know, there's somewhere there's Indian stuff in them and all that. And I thought that was very fascinating. And, and plus, they just wanted to kind of know, you know, what their family line really looked like. And, and so, so they, she got this packet in the mail. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious what this is going to look like and how this is going to take place. And I'm thinking, you know, they, they're going to, she's going to have to go to a doctor, get a nurse and have some blood drawn or what? Was it? No, no. What? she did was she spit into something and then sealed it and sent it off. From her spit, they were able to discern that there's not a lick of Indian in her bloodline. No Indian at all. <laughs> I was ready to cash that thing in. I thought, man, I, you know, maybe our kids can get a free college tuition or something. I don't know. But, but, but what was brought out to us was that, that here's, the key, here's the key. When Jesus spat into his eyes, guess what? He was giving him his DNA. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. 
He spit into his eyes and suddenly the, the DNA of God himself was placed into his place of vision. A man who had no vision, a man who walked around clueless of, of, of what was going on around him and what God could do through him, suddenly everything began to change when he took on the identity of the Son of God. And he spit his, he spit his eyes, he said, oh, the identity of Christ. I'm the, oh, I, I'm starting to see. Okay, hold on, let me pray some more. And, 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 and after God, Jesus got done, when he fully received the full identity of, of Christ in him, the hope of glory, then everything made sense. Everywhere he went, he saw everything clearly. That's amazing. So maybe I should spit in your eye. I don't know. Whatever it takes to understand that we have the identity of Christ. That it was more than just an exchange or a story, you know, of, of a, a man dying on the cross. But, but literally when he says it is finished and he came out of that grave that we took upon ourselves the very identity of Christ. And in Christ uh, there is no sin. There is no flaw. He is righteous to the, to the fullest and we have taken on now his righteousness. And so no matter what you've done, you may have some bad behavior. But the bottom line is you still carry the DNA of Christ. Christ within you. You may still, come on, make some mistakes. Uh, there may still be some flaws, but you carry the very identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. When someone says, oh, you're a bad, bad person, you, all you have to do is say, well, you know, I may have done a bad thing, but I'm not a bad person. I am the righteousness of Christ. Well, that was just week two. And then week three... Patrick did an amazing job last week. Did he not do a great job? You're amazing, Patrick. Someone like texted me, you know, that day and said, you know, JP, you may not have a job when you get back. I'm like, go for it. I'm Patrick, that was amazing. Thank you. You talked about the peace. And I, I wrote down a few things. You, you even said I was probably watching. I was watching. And, and uh, I even took notes. And one of the things he said was peace is not passive. Oh man, drop that walk off the stage. That's an amazing thought. That peace is not a life without conflict, but the very presence of God in the midst of conflict. Yeah, that's good. I'm like getting fired up. I was actually driving at the time and listening on the side. I'm like ready to just jump off the side of this road at a rest stop and have me a hoedown. He went on to say that we are not to wait for Jesus to come back, but instead to work to usher in the kingdom of God here on the earth, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So, so instead of waiting for the sweet by and by, we should start doing something about the nasty now and now. He didn't say that, but I just wanted to add that. But I thought it was a wonderful thing. Thank you, Patrick, for filling in. It was wonderful. How many here remember Hurricane Sally? Raise your hand. <laughs> Some of you just moved here. You have no idea what a hurricane is. And we're glad you're here. Please stay. We hand out ice when hurricanes come around here. For four days, we'll hand out ice as we repair our buildings. But I remember Hurricane Sally, as probably you do as well. Do you remember the pounding of the rain against your windows? I literally thought our windows were going to collapse under the pounding of the rain. I thought I was going to get sucked out of our doors. 
as I was trying to hold them shut. But I was thankful when it was all said and done that I had shelter, that I had a place that protected me. In July 1979, candidate for president, it was not the president yet, but he was running for president. His name was Ronald Reagan. He visited NORAD, which NORAD headquarters means the North American Defense Command. And he visited this command headquarters and they began to tell him some things that changed his life and actually would change our lives. Again, he was not president, but he learned how that they could detect the launch of any kind of a weapon around the world. Not only could they detect the moment something was launched into the air, they could react to that launch and they could tell what that launch was. Was it an intercontinental ballistic missile? Was it a rocket test? Or was it some kind of other missile? They could literally determine around the world through satellite what was going on and when it was launched, where it was launched, and when it would detonate and where it would detonate. And he was amazing. He, he was amazed and he saw the red phone over there on the side, which was the direct line to the president. And he heard about the doctrine that they had developed called MAD, which means mutually assured destruction, which in a sense was if anyone fires a rocket at us, we will fire a rocket back with everything we have until both sides basically are annihilated. That was the philosophy that we had at that moment. And then he asked this question, one simple question. What will stop these incoming missiles once they're launched? You know where they're coming from, you know what they're gonna do and what kind of rocket it is and, and even where it's gonna land and when it's gonna, what, what, what will stop it before it gets here? And they looked at him and they said, Mr. Reagan, nothing will stop it. It will hit where it hits and it will land and it will do what it was sent to do. He said, you're telling me that with all this technology, you know when, where, what kind, and you can't stop it once it's launched? And they said, yes, sir, that's what we're telling you. He said, okay, thank you. He became our president and four years later, he came up with SDI, Strategic Defense Initiative, better known to us as the Star Wars system, would basically provide a shield over our nation to protect us if something was fired at us. We shared that technology and that understanding and insight with Israel. And even as of recently, a few months ago, we saw in Israel, as they were in conflict with Hamas, just a few miles away, not like states or countries or nations away, just a few short miles away, Hamas fired 4,300 rockets, bombs, if you would, into Israel in a period of 11 days. Can you imagine living in Israel? For They said, people in Israel said, when you looked up into the sky, it looked like spaghetti, just these white, white lines going everywhere, just all over their heads. And what was happening 
As Hamas was firing its missiles into Israel, Israel was firing another missile to intercept that missile and cause it to explode above the heads so it wouldn't find a a landing spot and hinder or hurt anybody. And so they're only, of all 4,300 bombs that went up into the air sent by Hamas, only 60 of them made it through the Israeli Star Wars system and it was saved and protected millions of lives. It was it was, it was like amazing to see the technology taking place that President Reagan put in place years ago to protect us. Can I tell you that over your head right now are just launches, spears, if you would, so, d- demonic, uh, satanic, uh, evil forces uh, launching over into your head, but because of the shield of faith that we have in Christ Jesus, not one falls upon us. Christ came up with this concept, Star Wars, years before we ever understood it. And he called it the shield of faith. A shield. Let's take a look at what I'm talking about. It was a Roman. They had two kinds of shields. One, keep that up for just a second. One was a decorative shield. It was a small like saucer, if you would, just kind of strapped to their hand, and it was very small, round, typically, and they used it for parades and things like that when they wanted to just kind of show off and do things. But, but, but when they went to battle, baby, this is what they pulled out. Typically, it was about four feet high. It had two, two pieces of wood On it, one piece of wood on the outside was covered in leather. Another piece of wood underneath that leather wood that was covered in metal or iron. And then it was all strapped together, held together with leather itself. And they would carry this into battle. And Paul called it the shield of faith. He says, God has given us a shield of faith, not shield of belief, but a shield of faith, because there's a difference between what you believe and faith. And let me give you an example. Belief is an inward conviction that you have. I believe this to be true, okay? But guess what faith is? Faith is not only an inward conviction, but it's an outward action. You can have a belief all day long and it doesn't translate into anything until you begin to act on it. And when you act on it through faith, suddenly things begin to happen. Belief is accepting God's truth and God's promises as true, but faith is acting on the truth, doing something with it. Not listening to your feelings. How many remember us talking about feelings are fickle? You can't go by your feelings. Some of the young people we talked to had these conversations this past week, and I heard a couple of them say to me, and I appreciate their honesty. They said, I don't know, I just don't feel God. And I just wanted to just somehow impart to them this insight. It's not about feeling. We don't always feel God. Thank God when we do feel God. Thank God when we have goosebumps. Thank God when suddenly the Holy Spirit shows up and we're like, whoo, God's here. Yeah, I love those moments. But the, the majority of your time, you're not going to feel. But you can still have faith and not feel. It's like the man, I was just listening to a story. Actually, one of my friends who pastors the Grace Temple, that was one of the churches that participates in our camp, and 
And uh, he has a guest speaker this morning, and it's a, this guest speaker that he has is incredible. He, he was in prison. He, was, he had killed a few people, and he was literally on death row. He was, and miraculously, he got, he got out. Uh, but in the process of before he got out, uh, he, uh, or right after he got out, in that whole process, he had given his heart to the Lord. I'm probably getting it a little bit wrong, but, um, but, but this is the essence of what he, his story is he, he, was, he gave his heart to the Lord and, and yet he had stage four, he got stage four cancer. And you know, things were not looking good for him. And this new Christian, brand new Christian, um, came to him and you know, said, hey, are, do you know? He said, Jesus he goes, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm a new, I just, he goes, well, I am too. I want to pray with you. And because I believe God wants to heal you. He goes, okay. And so this, this guy that wants to pray, I think he was a, he, he, he uh, put up sheetrock or something like that. He, he wasn't a minister, wasn't a pastor. Didn't, he was just newly saved himself. He goes, well, I'm gonna just like lay, lay my hands on you and I'm gonna pray for you. And he goes, okay. And so he, the, the new Christian didn't even know how to pray. So he just said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy." He says the Lord's prayer over him. You know, he says the Lord's prayer over him the guy's got stage four cancer. He needs a healing from God. This young Christian says the Lord's Prayer. Says, that's all I got. You know, just the Lord's Prayer. Can't, I can't do it anymore. The guy gets miraculously healed from the Lord's Prayer from a guy that didn't even walk with God for a while. It's, it's the difference between belief and faith. Belief is what we base our life on. Faith is how we live it out. Belief is putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate, all these things. But the shield of faith is when we act on what we believe. That was, some of you may have done this as well. I, I signed up for Little League Baseball. I was nine years old, and we were living in Denver, Colorado at the time, and, and I, well, I was part of Jefferson County Baseball. I was the best. Jefferson County, I was on their team, and, and, and I, we, had white, we had white pants on. We had a blue shirt with red letters and white sleeves, and I had my blue ball cap with my white and my red letters, JC on there, and, and my, my cleats, and I had my socks, and we had to learn how, in those days, come on, you didn't wear them down there. You had to fold them up under here, you know, you had to wear your socks up. You look like Babe Ruth. I looked like Babe Ruth. And, and, um, and so, but and I remember, and I looked in the mirror, had my glove on, had my hat on, looked in the mirror, I'm like, I'm a baseball player. <laughs> Put me in, coach. Put me in. I'm a baseball player. And you know what? I was to a degree. But let me tell you when I became a baseball player. When we were in the dugout, and he goes, all right, here's the lineup. We're out in the field first. JP, you'll be playing shortstop, batting first, blah, 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 blah. I said, what? That's right. I'm like, really? He goes, that's right. Okay, come on, guys, go. And everybody started running out of the dugout. I'm like, oh. And I grabbed my glove, and I ran out to the shorts, because I was short, shortest kid, in the kid on the team, so I had to play shortstop, I guess, is what I thought. I, I'm like... Well, who gets the, the tall stop? I want to be that guy, you know? Well, that's first base. But, it, but the moment I ran onto that diamond, that baseball field, guess what? I became a player. 
I looked like a player in the dugout, but I became a player when they had the warm-ups and they threw that ball to me and I pulled, scooped it up and I threw it to first base. Suddenly, when the batter, hey, batter, 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 remember you had to do all the, hey, batter, batter, you, no, 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 hey, batter, batter. Hey, you can't do that anymore. Now you got to compliment. Hey, you can hit the ball. You can hit the ball. Please hit the ball. Beat us. Please beat us. Come on. We all win. We all win. Yeah. But not those days. No, man. And I was a, I was a, I was a player. In the dugout, you have belief, but when your cleats hit the field and you start feeling the grounders and catching the pop-ups, you become a person filled with faith. There's a difference between belief and faith. You can talk about it all day long, but someday you're going to have to act on it. Come on, somebody. How many people we have filled with faith in the house this morning? Come on. If you're new this morning, you're probably like, this is like the strangest church I've ever been to in my life. We're not strange. We're really not strange. Actually, we're just people that really believe that what this word says can be applied today in everyday circumstances. And when you really come across people like that, it seems a little different because maybe you haven't run across those kind of people. But here you are. We're recruiting you onto the team. We got a suit just lined up for you in the journey room. Come on. Cleats and all. I want to show you a second picture. We have a second picture up here. Look at this now. Now this is awesome. Like, what in the world is that? This, my friends, is a Roman version of a military tank. This, my friends, is how they would use their shields in battle. They would come together. They would place their shields together in front and above, before they would go into battle, imagine this is a wall, and there's, you know, it's a, it's a fortress that we're, and we're gonna attack. They would soak their shields in water until they were soaking wet. They would pull them out of the water, and they would form a, these little lines like this and begin to march forward. Oh man, just think about it. The army of faith. You're, you're the enemy. You're, the, you're Satan and his little demons and you're behind the wall and you see, look, some of church is coming out of the foxhole. They're dripping water all over themselves. They look like they're food. Look at it, it looks like a little bumblebee, a little ladybug. Fire some of your spears your arrows at those guys and get them out of here. They're bothering us. Inside the summatures, the shield of faith over us and in front of us. And we're marching forwards because we got our eyes set on the gates in front of us called the gates of hell. Come on. Oh, I'm feeling it, man. I'm, I'm enjoying this. And, and, and oh, oh, yeah, we'll show them. So what they would take these Arrows, and they would dip them into a pitch and fire, and it would be on fire. These little arrows would be on fire, and they would throw them, in. they would you know, send them into the air, and they would land. Poosh, poof, poof, poof. Still, they come. And on the, above their head, if, you could, if they were to take down their shield, there would be like shields just filled with, with, with arrows that were just 
on fire, but were not doing anything because they were being dis- ex- uh, extinguished, extinguished, extinguished by the watery leather protection of the shield. And, and, and so it looks like they're on fire, but they're not on fire. It looks like they're going to they're be killed, destroyed, and exposed, but they're not because the shield of faith uh, was helping. And here's the deal, here's the deal, here's what I want to get across. The shield of faith wasn't given to you so you can go, oh, the enemy's coming. Shield, shield. Oh, 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 another attack. Oh, shield, shield, shield. It's not a Star Wars attack going on where you're, you know, you're trying to dodge the enemy's blast. No, you take on the shield of faith when you're ready to come against the enemy. It's an offensive weapon more than it is a defensive. It's both, but it's in an offensive posture. You're moving forward with the shield of faith. You're taking ground and the kingdom of God is advancing because we've taken up the shield of faith. Whoa. <laughs> come on. Turn to somebody and just go, oh, come on, somebody. Oh. Uh. It's like the little grandma. She was in her house and someone had broken in. And she sat in her corner and said, Acts 245. Acts 2.45, Acts 2.45. And the guy ran out of the house and the police caught him a couple blocks later. Put him in the squad car and said, man, I heard you, was, what'd you try to attack that lady for? I was going to rob her. Well, why'd you leave? It was just an old lady. Are you kidding me? The woman had an ax and 2.45s. <laughs> I had to go. I had to leave. Here's the deal. When it's time to engage the enemy, we have to pick up the shield of faith. You pick it up. It says, take up. You pick it up. It's it's sitting there all along. You pick it up. You douse it into the word of God, the, the water of God, and you come together in the body of Christ with a common purpose, a common goal, a common vision, And you begin to walk out the very things that God's called you to walk out. And the gates of hell says shall not prevail against the kingdom of God. Um, Amanda, you might as well come. I I didn't even get past my introduction, but (laughs) we'll have to do this another time, I guess. But I don't know about you, but I, I always thought of, you know, this shield as a, a defensive thing, you know, that we just crouch down, just hold it on. You know, no. The shield is an offensive weapon. It's more than, it's more than just a belief. It's faith. It's It's putting everything you know about God is true into action. Whatever situation you're in and wherever you're at, whether that it means you're praying for someone that is sick to be healed, whether that means you're 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 believing God for you know the rescue of a child or a grandchild that's walked away from God. You're, You're you're doing things and putting it in action. Your faith is action. You're 
let me just give you the definition. I was going to do it next, but here's the definition of faith. I'm going to give you three definitions really quickly. You can write this down on the notes that you didn't get to fill in. But here's, here's number one. This isn't for your notes, but just like on the back or something. Little faith is saying God can do it. And how many have ever heard people say, oh, brother, brother, God can do it. You know, God can do it. Well, okay. I, but you know what? I hate to say it, but that's really little faith. Yeah, yeah, of course God can do it. But here's what. Great faith is saying God will do it. You see, you see I, 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 listen, if I'm sick and I'm in the hospital and they say you've got a little long, longer to live and then you're out of here, don't come to my bed and say, uh, Pastor, I don't know. I, I'm looking at all these x-rays and reports and hear what the doctor's saying, but I don't know. I think God, God can heal you if you want him to. I'm like, if I want him to? I, I, I think I want him to. I think that would be a good thing. Well, so I don't need your little faith. I, I, I don't even really want your great faith when you say, well, well Pastor J.B., guess what? God will heal you. God, I mean, God can heal you. God, God, God can do this. God, well, no, I, here's what I want. I want your perfect faith, which says, hey, guess what, Pastor J.B.? It's already done. It's already done. Jesus took your sickness on the cross. Can I remind you, little Pastor JP? He took your sickness on the cross and he bore his stripes on his back for your healing. And when Peter says that by his stripes you were healed, it's a past tense thing. You're already healed. Come on, let's walk out of this hospital. Come on. Ah, that's, that's who I want to visit me. So if no one visits me, if I've ever been in the hospital, I don't know why no one ever visits me. No, I, I'm being serious. I, I believe God's called us to live in faith. That no, God, yes, God can. Yes, God will, but God has. He's already done it. And I will walk in that. With your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning with me, and you would say, Pastor, I want to, I, here's, here's who I'm going to talk to for just a moment, if you wouldn't mind. I want to talk to the person in this room who does not know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. You, you've heard about Jesus. Maybe at one time you even did know him, but you've walked away from him. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to tell you this morning, my friend, that no matter what kind of arrows come your way, there is a shield available for you. It just sits there begging for you to wrap your hand around it. And if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave as the Son of God to restore a relationship with you back to the Father, a relationship that you've lost, if you believe that in your heart, confess it with your mouth, that Christ will come into your life and he'll restore that relationship that you lost with God himself. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, you would say, Pastor JP, that's me this morning. This morning I, I long and know I need to come to Christ. I need to make him the Lord of my life. I need to return to the Lord. If that's you, right where you're at, would you just raise your hand right where you're, I'm not going to ask you to come out of your seat or anything. 
just come. I mean, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Just raise your hand. Amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Come on. I want to know Jesus as the Lord of my life. I'm going to turn my life over to him today. Right where we're sitting, just again with eyes closed, I want to lead us in a prayer, especially those that raise your hand. I call it a salvation prayer, an invitation. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Would you say this, Lord Jesus? Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and be my Lord. I give you everything I have. From this point on, I am yours. Thank you for hearing this prayer, forgiving my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, thank you for praying that prayer. And for those that prayed that prayer, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you really believe that in your heart. And we have a tent outside, and we want you to stop by that tent. We want to give you a Bible. We want to give you some material. We want to begin to help you on your journey. For everybody else here in this room, the prayer teams are going to come as I'm talking and just stand here at the front. For everybody else here, a couple of things I want you to know. That God desires you to begin to walk in faith. He, begins, he wants you to take up that shield, wrap your hands around that handle, and begin to walk in the things that he's called you to walk in. If you think you can do it on your own, then it's not faith. Can let me just say this? If it's what God is asking you to do, it's impossible for you to do on your own. Whatever he calls you, you, you gotta hear me. Come on, you gotta listen to me. Eyes closed, heads bowed, listen to these thoughts. God is calling you to do things that you cannot do on your own. He's calling you to walk in a way that you can't do on your own. But he has given you a shield of faith to believe him, to partner with you to do something supernatural in this world and in this earth. So Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for these, Lord God, my friends. I pray, Lord God, that you will raise our level of faith. Father, in a spiritual sense, we lift up that shield right now and we, we place it over our heart and our head and we thank you that no matter what the enemy comes and tries to do, whatever fiery darts are coming our way, they will have no power over the shield of faith. We thank you, Lord, and believe that you are taking care of us and our families and our community, and you are posturing us to do and see amazing things in the days and months to come. We will be your army, and we will move in faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give Jesus a hand this morning?